Welcome to Tea, Toast, and Trivia. Thank you for listening in. I am your host, Rebecca Budd, and I am looking forward to sharing this moment with you. I am heading over to Spain to meet up with Dr. Valerie Pichi. I have been looking forward to connecting with Valerie ever since my friend and neighbor, Chris, said that Valerie was a kindred spirit and introduced us via email. It was one of those serendipitous moments when you know that a friendship is about to happen. Dr. Valerie Pichi is a non-traditional, semi-retired university professor. Having grown up in many countries around the world, Spain is now home. She is passionate about helping others create and realize their dreams. She believes that open pathways, flexible and well-designed learning opportunities can yield transformative results. Individuals gain increased opportunities to reach their personal and professional goals unhindered by geographical or time constraints. As an adult educator and author, she appreciates the impact and power of the written word to make those desires come alive. As an enthusiastic facilitator in the real and virtual worlds, she supports the power of technology to keep us connected to dear friends and help us to connect with new ones. Valerie has lived many adventures and continues to add new adventures to her life story. So put the kettle on and add to this exciting discussion on tea, toast, and trivia. And as a special guest, we are going to add Pepper, a wonderful, wonderful companion that I have grown to love in the virtual world. So welcome, Valerie, and welcome, Pepper. Thank you for joining me on Tea, Toast, and Trivia. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much. It's really a pleasure for me to be here. I'm looking forward to having an engaging chat. And I'm sure Pepper thanks you, too. Pepper's this little Australian cobber dog. Could you tell me a little bit about Pepper? They are bred for therapy and for children who have autism. She is so smart, I can't believe it. It's uncanny sometimes. She seems to understand whole sentences. But then there are moments when we're out and I say, Pepper, come. She's deaf as a post. <laughs> Goodness, we are apart thousands of miles, and yet we are connected in ways that we really cannot even imagine. It just unfolds the way it's supposed to. Yes, that's true. And that's sort of been the story of my life, I suppose. <laughs> Whether it was supposed to or not, it has unfolded in an amazing way. It's quite funny because when I was trying to figure out where to next, I was in Australia for three years before I ended up in Spain. And I had looked, oh gosh, at Central America, South America, the Dominican Republic. I had checked out a number of different places. And one morning, I woke up in Australia, in Wagga Wagga, which is where I was working at the university there, and the cockatoos are making their morning welcome, just complete, a raucous sound. I've got the palm trees in the back. And I thought, 
you know, I haven't really thought of Europe, Spain, or Portugal. Started doing a bit of research, and here I am, two years later, settled in Spain. And if I would not have gone back to school in my mid 50s and got my EdD, I don't think I would be here because I wouldn't have been in Australia. And so you, you know, you start peeling the onion and you think, well, I don't know where I would have been, but it probably wouldn't have been in Spain. Which goes to prove that we have alternate pathways, but you can only take one. That's right. You can only take one, but it might go to the right or it might go to the left. Or it might start off to the right and end up going to the left. Just hope it doesn't go backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of woman wakes up in regional Australia to the sounds of the cockatoos outside her window and thinks, Spain, maybe I could retire there? There's a couple of factors that come into play. I have grown up in many countries around the world. Having had that kind of privilege, I always have this innate curiosity. I don't have a strong sense of ties. Home is where the heart is. And that was sort of part of my decision. I guess I felt quite flexible and comfortable taking on a new country, a new culture. And the other part as well is that had I not gone back to university and, and started my doctorate, when I was well into my mid-50s, I would not have gotten a job in Kamloops, which then allowed me to build a bit of a reputation and get asked to come to Charles Sturt. So it was only when I was there that I started to think and let myself imagine well, I could pretty well do what I want. Having disregarded, or not disregarded, but maybe saying, hmm, the other countries had lots of pros and cons, but I think Spain could be a real viable possibility. So I better get over there on some holidays and check it out. <laughs> so I did. I had a girlfriend meet me over here. I picked off where I thought I might like to live off a map. I'd been to different parts, but... I had never been to this area, and it was noted for its climate. We spent 10 days up and down the coast looking at properties, and her goal was to only let me look, but she failed. So I came away with a property in Spain. Just what was supposed to be. You went back to school in your mid-50s. You believe in lifelong learning. Absolutely, yes. I do. Well, we don't know what we don't know until we're immersed in something. And when I went back, I'll never forget that first summer. I thought, I don't understand a word in this article. The only words I understood were and, if, or but, and maybe the, you know. I thought, oh my goodness, what, how am I ever going to do this? It just sort of seeps into your psyche and your being and you pick it up. I did learn, and it was a great privilege. It was hard work, but it's something I would never have changed. A time when you have more experience, you value education differently, don't you? That's a big part of it, isn't it? I think you bring to that educational context all your life experiences, the wisdom of your knowledge to the fore, because it's 
something that you've just gained from those years of living? Most of us are risk averse, and I put myself in that category too. We try to have certainty. We like certainty, knowing that we have some predictability in our lives. We also want to feel the exhilaration of an adventure because that's when we feel more alive. So how does one plan an adventure or do you let the adventure just come to you? I think that's an interesting question because I like certainty too. I like a certain amount of predictability and some stability. But I think an adventure or planning an adventure is more of a philosophy and it's a way of living. It's how we look at challenges and opportunities in our life. And I would say I'm not sure that planning really goes into an adventure but it's how you are in the moment when things happen and how you look at it. When we think of adventure, Valerie, we think of something good. But adventures are also very dangerous and can be life-threatening. So adventures are not a vacation, are they? I would say a vacation is where you go to not have too many adventures. You want something predictable, consistent, somebody's going to look after you. In the broad scope of things, yes, you could have an adventure and go to a nice restaurant or go on a tour somewhere or, you know, meet really interesting people. But that, to me, is quite different from having a day-to-day adventure and a life adventure, say, or an adventurous life, even. What is an adventurous life, Valerie? I guess it's a life of resilience, a life of risk, courage, being afraid sometimes, and being true to yourself, being honest so that you can say, I have no regrets, I'm happy. That, I guess, would be my thought and on what it is. I like that thought, and I like it because the more you live, the more you realize how important these moments have been. It's how you face them, isn't it? I think so. You can't face those moments without friendship because friendships are extremely important. Or at least they have been in my life. I've got friends that I've had since I was 15, and I still have them. And I've had many friends for 50 years or more. Maybe that's the stability and the predictability that gives you a little bit of a platform or a sense of security are those long-time friendships that if something happens, your friends will be there to support you. They might think that, oh my goodness, you shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Even though they don't understand, they are there. That's right. They are there. It's one of these... Life is for learning, life is for living, and we never stop. I think I had mentioned to you before, Rebecca, that I'm taking my Spanish driver's license theory, which is incredibly difficult. I've driven like for over 40 years. You'd think, oh, no problem. I've signed up for an official Spanish class sponsored by the government in the fall. Apparently, it's really quite difficult. I'm going to do that two days a week because we've got to keep engaged. 
It's only when you start understanding the language can you really get a deeper insight into the culture. And really start living the culture as well, because as a non-native speaker, you're always sort of on the outside. And until you can speak and get a better handle on the culture, the mannerisms, the practices, you don't really get a sense of the essence of who they are as a society. One of my ideas about Spain is the art. They have such a, a complex integration of different kinds of art that works so well together. Yes, well, Barcelona, especially with Gaudi and his influence on a lot of the architecture that you also see if you go to Valencia, some of the galleries there and the museums, you can see some of that influence that he's had. And apparently, not too far from where I am now, there is a, a small church that was built under a student of his. I haven't found it yet, but apparently somewhere around here as well. So he's one artist whose influence has spread outside of Catalonia. And I think there are many other artists as well. Valerie, you have had over 20 years experience on online education and curriculum development, and worked on hundreds of successful educational projects. You have seen firsthand the benefits of education. Why is lifelong learning essential to our well-being? I believe that one of the things continual learning does, it keeps our minds engaged, it keeps us active, it keeps us thinking, enhances our curiosity. It helps us also identify what we don't know, what we do know, and what we'd like to know. And I guess from that perspective, it gives us an opportunity to discover and explore things maybe we've never thought of before, or maybe we've thought of before and didn't have the time. And I think also it enables us to meet other people to get focused in another area, and to be more outward-thinking and outward-looking. Sometimes as we age, we tend to get very narrow in our ways of being in the world, and this helps us push those boundaries continually. It's all the bits and pieces from our academic learning that help us. That comes to the fore in, say, a conversation with somebody that maybe you don't know very well. It helps you meet other people who maybe you would never meet, except that you've decided to go to school or take up a new hobby or try a new sport. And I think that is what it's all about, is coming together to bring a smile to our face every day because you're going to encounter something perhaps that you haven't before. And it's an opportunity and it's also a privilege to be in that kind of position where you have perhaps pushed yourself a bit or taken up the challenge or allowed yourself to open the blinkers and said, I'm going to do this. I don't know what's going to happen, but hey, it's an adventure. Valerie, you wrote these profound words to me. Congratulate yourself on having the courage to follow your path, the resilience to stay the course in challenging times, and patience to appreciate the unexpected adventures. How easy is it to stay on course? 
What support systems should we seek? And how do we find belonging? To look at the first part of that question, how easy is it to stay the course? I think really it depends how determined you are because it's not easy. It's easier to go back to your comfort zone to say, oh, you know, I didn't like it. It was too hard. It was too hot. The people were this. The people were that. So I'm changing my mind. I think it's much harder to sometimes face the challenges or the adversities that you have. So that's the first thing. I think that you have to feel really determined and quite tenacious. And I think the support systems that you need, as I alluded to earlier, your long-term friends, they don't have to physically be in the same environment, but they have to virtually be there. And it's those friends that really understand you, that hold you in their hands, if you will, and give you that little push, that little support when things are tough. And maybe you don't know a lot of people, you haven't lived in a place long enough to make those kind of friendships because those friendships are based on shared and built adventures. I also think other support systems that you need are a good hairdresser, a good nail salon, a good mechanic. Those are really important, like (laughs) a good handyman, because those are the the people that you need to help you get through some of the day-to-day annoyances, if you want to put it that way. And I suppose, how do you find belonging? That's a good question, too, because I think you find belonging, first of all, within yourself and feeling quite happy or content within yourself and being secure in the knowledge that you don't have to belong to everything, that you can be selective and find people who you have an affinity with, like you and I do then those are the types of people that either will come to you or you will end up crossing paths with them. So I think finding belonging is a bit of a serendipitous experience. But most importantly, you have to find your own belonging within. I found this quote from Sophia Loren. It's only the first part of the quote. She said, There's a fountain of youth. It's your mind, your talents, the creativity you bring to your life and the lives of the people you love. And when I read that, I felt a a resonance and an affinity with what she had said. And I thought, I think that's really true, because that is the fountain of youth, in my view. I love that fountain of youth. I think it's a good one. How come you're so wise? And how did you know I love quotes? I'm not wise. (laughs) I love to laugh and have a good time. I just thought sometimes you find this quote and it just sums up what you're feeling and what you're thinking. As we close this conversation, which I really don't want to close, Valerie, do you have any last words and would you come back for another conversation? I would love to come back for another conversation, Rebecca. Anytime. I think it's really fun. And um, I think what you're doing is fantastic. So invite me anytime you'd like to have me on. I'd be more than happy. And I think for last words, think of Sophia Loren. And will you bring Pepper along with you? Oh, I'm sure she'll be in the picture somehow. (laughs) 
Thank you, Valerie, for sharing your insights and philosophy on living our personal adventures, embracing new challenges, and pursuing new sources of meaning and ways in which to give back to our communities, both local and, as you said so eloquently, global. And for listeners, thank you for joining Valerie and me on Tea, Toast, and Trivia. We would love to hear about your adventures, so stop on by. And until next time, dear friends, keep safe and be well. <laughs>